Hello and welcome to If Anyone Cares. My name is Riley James. This is episode 80. We are back from our break that we always take in June. If you're new to the show, we'd only do one show in June and one show in December for our summer and holiday breaks, respectively. The December show is one of my favorite traditions of If Anyone Cares. In 2021's version, launched us into a 2022 that has been so successful and I cannot thank you enough because I can only listen to this show once you guys listen to it a lot more than once and I certainly certainly appreciate all that you've done in this past six months and I'd like to announce a deal that the folks that follow me on Twitter and watch our YouTube content already know about is that we have entered into a partnership with Spotify to do 10 exclusive playlists sponsored by if anyone cares exclusively on Spotify, as well as some stuff coming up in the future with the good folks over at Spotify headquarters in New York City. So I will put the link to all of that at the very top of the show description. Please go check that out. We have different playlists for all types of things, including uh, my workout playlist, my own personal workout playlist that I use when I cycle. We have a road trip playlist, we have a summer playlist, a British invasion playlist to celebrate the effect and popularity of artists from the United Kingdom and American music, a playlist for whatever you'd like to do at night as well. I mean, we got everything. Our pre-show jams playlist that dates back to 2017 is on there. It's been so cool working with everyone to put these together and to, to promote these as, as aggressively as we have. I feel like I've tweeted about nothing else the last six days. So I'm, I'm super thankful for the whole process and everything that went into it. I, I could not be more grateful for the people that I have met and the people that I've worked with. Without further ado, we will put that link at the top of the show description once again so you can go check out all the stuff If Anyone Cares is doing with Spotify. Please go check that out. As for the actual episode today, a buddy of mine you might remember from episode 9 joins the show is. We just call him Choke. He tells us how to say his exact pronunciation of his name in the opening few minutes of the show. So I can't wait for that. So you can hear it. You can hear it straight from him. I gave it my best shot. Apparently I was one syllable off. So we would just let him do it. Um, some stuff I have to get to before we get to that. Uh, if you like the show and you can't seem to find it on your favorite podcasting app. We are definitely there. We're on Spotify, iTunes, and Google Podcasts, the three main ones, as well as 20 other ones, and I don't really have time to name. You can follow us on Twitter, at cares underscore. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram, at IAC. IAC stands for If Anyone Cares. Uh, the art is made by the incomparable Spencer Ware, and the music is a collaboration between All Good Folks and IAC Productions. And for everyone that is named and choke, I'm Riley James. If anyone cares, please enjoy the show. On the line from Los Angeles, California, at least in one of the surrounding areas, is a man you might not remember. He was on the show in episode 9 when we did the show live at the U.S. Open Cup final in 2018. A friend of mine, I would say probably a mentor of mine, Choke. What's going on, man? What's going on, brother? I want to I want to make sure cuz I you, you just tell everyone to call you Choke. I want to see if I have your name like I if I if I know how to pronounce it. Can I can I take a crack at it? Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Okay. Is it Chijoke Akajobe? 
That's pretty good. That's pretty close. That's pretty good. You were, really, you were in the syllable sound off. It's like Chijoki Akajobi. Okay. Okay. Yeah, you're pretty good. Pretty good. Yeah, I mean, doing, you know, Poland and Iceland games has really broadened my mind to different ways to pronounce names. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, other countries, they, they, they're a little different. Yeah. And what is the what is the heritage of that name? Oh, my parents are Nigerian. Okay, they're Nigerian. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, you know, the Nigerian culture, uh, it's, uh, it's different. There's there's a lot of Chijoki, but there's not a lot of Chijoki. That makes sense. Yeah. Like, you won't uh, you won't hear about it a lot, like in your personal life, but. You'll hear about it if you're into Nigeria. You know a lot of Nigerians. That either that's somebody's middle name or something like that. So, so yeah, it's a uh, it's funny. It's been great. People just make me laugh, and they try to, <laughs> you know, they, try to they try to say it over like the last like ten years and stuff. It's, I remember we were sitting down. Uh, we had that that rainout show at the Open Cup final, and we ended up doing at the Four Seasons, which you hooked up for us, which I I appreciate. Um, like you just yeah, what's up, man? I'm choke. Like just not even. It's like that's that's the line that people are are willing to cross. Like choke is fine because just watching people pronounce other people's names is one of my favorite things. Covering soccer, uh, you like you have all these journalists that come over from you know doing NFL stuff or college football stuff that come over and try to like cover the Dynamo or cover anyone else. It's like all right, let's watch this guy pronounce this guy's last name. Yeah, it's um, yeah, it's funny because I don't, I don't really try to like, you know, some I have people come up to me sometimes like, you need to tell people how to say your real name, blah 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 blah. blah. Yeah, I'm like, it's my name, like chill out, like, <laughs> let me let me be the one to decide how I feel about how people say things, and I have to be real with myself and understand that people just that everybody's cultured enough to understand they don't know my culture enough either to understand how to say my name so you know it's not like oh they should know already it's like i, I can tell you hey this is a joke but you could probably mess it up so it's not and then i mess it up the next time so at the end of the day it's just and say how it makes you comfortable because at the end of the day it's gonna be really hard for you if you're like trying to question how to say somebody's name if you just don't have the brain to say it properly <laughs> you know what i mean right no that's it's definitely understandable. I mean, with a, with a name like Riley and living in the United States, I, I can't necessarily appreciate that, that type of um, interaction and that type of moment. But getting to watch other people have those moments has definitely made me more aware and, and helped, me, helped me be able to learn how to pronounce people's names. Like I said, like doing Poland and, and, and Iceland matches when they play each other, it's like every name that ends in sun and every name that ends in ski. But there's like, you know, you have to get to that point and, and be able to learn about those cultures and those players. And and that's the beautiful thing about soccer. And we're going to talk about a little bit about soccer today. And I, w- I want to reintroduce you to the guests. Uh, or I'm sorry, reintroduce you to the audience. We haven't had you on as a guest in, in quite a while, uh, about three and a half years now. So I, I want people to understand that you moved from, from Houston to, to Los Angeles. What is Los Angeles like? What's it like living in L.A.? Um, it's an interesting place, man. Like, you know, 
it's different from Texas for sure. Like, you know, the culture is different. What people believe in is different. Uh, the, like, the city, the look is different. But I think you got to, like, you know, I live in a great area, which which I love. You know, I live close to Venice Beach. So I'm not, like, I'm not where I was when I first got here. But I think people, they come here with the, with the wrong expectation. And they come here with thinking that, oh, I'm going to be, like, this superstar. And let's be real, like, 95, 97% of people that come here don't really get to get to where they want to go because I think they're coming with the wrong mindset. And in LA, LA gives you what you give it back. It's hard to get what you want, but it gives you what you give it back. So if you're putting in work, they're going to give you work. If you're putting in trying to be famous, they're not going to give you back famous. Famous isn't uh, isn't effort, you know, trying to be famous. They're just, you're going to get nothing back. But if you put in work and you bust, you know, bust your arse and, you know, you work hard and stuff like that, um, you get something you get something more than other places where there's no opportunity to get anything unless you're working at nine to five or, you know, everyday job here. I mean, I've worked with some great people. I've worked with some super cool people. And I think the thing about LA that's cool to me, even to this day, I'm, I've been here for a couple of years now is the unpredictability of the things that I do and the unpredictability of like, the people I meet. Like I don't go looking for anything that like, you know what I'm saying? Like that, I want like at this stage now I don't need to go chasing like people and like I need to connect I love to meet people and I, that's my who I am as a nature but I just want to meet people to make a good group of friends and like you know have a solid core of people around me I don't think I'm going to look for like work or like hey I want to connect this person so we can start like a business or I'm not looking at that I'm just looking to meet people and I think LA 99% of the people here are trying to look for connection to work or whatever like and I think that's where it becomes disgenuous. I think you need to, like, just go and just meet people because you want to be around people. And if they are on the same wave as you and the same mindset, they're going to want to, you know, work with you in an equal equal fashion. And I think that's where I think culturally where L.A. struggles. But there's a there's a beautiful madness about this place. That, like, I enjoy the fact that anything can happen at any moment. And I think that's, that's super cool. And I think to be consistent in that anything can happen at any moment is where I like to be. You know, obviously in the future when you get older, you want to be just, you know, you just want to live every day. I think older people want to just go to work every day, which is great too, but you want to be happy and you want to, you know, you want to love what you're doing and you want to keep feeling like you're growing. And I think that's where, that's where I think LA, people got to find their feet sometimes and understand that it's a, it's a long game. And I actually enjoy the city a lot. I live in a great area. and I'm still getting to know it. There's nothing more fun than getting to know where you live, even though you've been here for a while, because a lot of time people are working here. We don't have time to explore. So it's always cool when you go somewhere new. You're like, wow, I didn't know this was here. I didn't know that was there. So that's one of the things I like about it out here. It's it's a it's a beautiful adventure, I guess. One more question about L.A., and we'll, we'll get to the to the football. Um the big like you're you're well traveled and well educated and, and well cultured. What was the the biggest kind of shock to you moving from Houston to to Los Angeles? Oh, uh, you know it's crazy. I told somebody this not too long ago. I was talking to like man, like you seem to have adjusted well in L.A. And I was like, well, when I first came here, like I came here with like no prior knowledge. I think I came here and lived here for like a month just to see how it was. But I really didn't come with any, like, real knowledge of the place. I didn't know the area all too well. But, you know, I started growing and learning. I think the biggest thing that's a difference from 
like moving from here in Texas. It's just the size of things. Like everything back home is so big. Like you know, big high schools, big houses, big apartments, big everything. Here, everything's kind of small. It's compact and it's a little different. But I think if you get to a certain level, obviously things get bigger. But I think my biggest thing has just been the change of like you know just. I got lucky because I lived in Houston for like a couple of years before I moved out here, and they're very similar in not lifestyle, but in like people. And once you start getting used to LA, like it starts to become like Houston in a sense. So I think it's just like the size of things and how big things are and stuff like that. That's really just only the only jock I can really say. It's like everything back home is bigger, but I mean Texas has the biggest of everything. It's like nowhere in the world is as big as like some of the stuff we have in Houston. So. I can't really compare it to anywhere else. <laughs> uh, weather-wise, is it perfect all the time, or is that a myth? It's for real, like it's almost perfect, like ninety. <laughs> I would say ninety-seven percent of the time. Like, <laughs> like every day is like when it's not a nice day, it's like an anomaly because it's 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 super rare. Like it's barely cloudy. Like it's always sunny. No, that's that's funny because I can just imagine people being just freaking out because it's not sunny and, and 80 every single day. Because, I mean, that's the image that, that we are painted from, from movies and television that Los Angeles is this paradise of perfect weather oh, that's all the one time. Thing, that's the one thing that I, like, that's the only thing I can say, like, about the place that, like, is constantly consistent is the weather here is, like, for real, like, like, even right now, it's, like, mad, mad, mad sunny. Like, it's always sunny. Like, it's, like, if it's, rainy i think we need the rain sometimes i think it's almost too sunny all the time because it's, you know you gotta have some type of rain once in a while but it's always sunny here, man. like no lie like they they plan every they can't they can plan everything perfectly because the weather is always good so it's like all right yeah that's the, one, that's the one positive thing i could say without a doubt is like great about the place it's just always sunny i'm just used to it so i'm not really like bothered, like amazed by it it's just always like this I've never seen a Dodgers or Angels game delayed before in my life. Or, or... It, just it just doesn't rain here, man. Like it just doesn't rain. It's like even when it's like even in the mornings, if it's like kind of cloudy and stuff, it looks like it's just the rain percentage, the chance is so low. And then the days it rains is like out of nowhere. Like you're like, where did this come from? Like it's like the well, first time it's rained in like two months or something like that. It's it's crazy. Yeah. No, nah, it's wild, man. Uh, so you, you wanted to talk a little bit about some soccer going on with Champions League final tomorrow, which I am working a little bit. Uh, we'll get to that in a moment. But I want to ask your opinion on, on one thing, and that's Kylian Mbappe. Uh, but, but first, I want to kind of, again, in, reintroduce you to the audience. So you, you played soccer for, for several years. Can you tell us about your background in the sport? Yeah, so, you know, I haven't talked about my soccer in a long time. Um, I, you know, I'm from Houston, Texas, and I mean, I was born in D.C., lived in the East Coast for a while, uh, lived in Pullman, Washington, like north, before I moved to Texas, and uh, that's where kind of soccer started. I think in Pullman it started. Uh, my brother, my brother's two years older than me, he was a soccer, he played soccer. My parents were Nigerian, so my dad was a soccer guy. Um, and then uh, I just remember, like, my first time ever playing soccer, I was, like, maybe six years old or something like that, and my brother was two years older than me. We had the same birthday and everything, and that my parents signed my brother up for soccer, and they didn't. Uh, they didn't sign me up. They got forgot or something like that. So I started crying and like you know I'm a little kid. Like, I want to play. Blah, blah, blah. Like sign me up. I want to play. I want to play. 
and then uh, my parents were like, oh my god, I can't believe we forgot, and then like, they didn't even care about me, you know, <laughs> and um, uh, my, uh, my mom and dad went up to the coach for my brother's team, who was two years older than me, and they, uh, they went up to him and said, hey, is there any way we can have him play with you guys, and granted, I'm like 25 pounds, like, I'm the smallest kid you could think of, like, as small as possible at that age, like, weight and height, I was it, like, for sure. My brother was a little bit bigger, he was stronger, he was faster, he was quicker. So it's like, our parents were kind of like, maybe we should let him play, he's too small. But they were like, no, 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 let him play, let him play, let him play. So the coach was like, yeah, we can let him play. And I just remember, like, waiting on the bench and, like, on the sideline, like, and I had this jersey on, it was, like, as big as my body, like, all the way to my hands. It was crazy. And I just ran on the field, and, like, the wind is so strong. And up north, it's kind of, like, windy and stuff. So, like, the wind is so strong, it's, like, it's kind of blowing me away. And I was so scared. I remember, I'll never forget being so scared because everybody was two years old, and they were so much bigger than I was. You know, back then, the, the size difference from six to eight was crazy, you know? Like, so, like, I was freaking out. I was like, man, but for some reason, once I got there and I started running around and stuff, I was kind of fast. So I was like, oh, these guys, they're nothing. Like, you know, I could just... I could do whatever I want, you know? So I think that was my first time remembering, like, okay, I'm playing soccer now. And then um, um, after high school ended, I signed, like, a letter of intent to go to, like, Gardner-Webb University in North Carolina. And uh, Gardner-Webb was interesting because, you know, you come from, like, this big club team. and You know, some of the guys on your team are, you know, going to big colleges or they're, like, guys you played against are going to pro. And you just come from a high-level environment. Then you go to a school like Gardner-Webb where they don't even know what that is, you know? Like, they don't even know what, you know, they've never won, they've never been anywhere, never done anything. And I think you, you, you're look, I don't know what, you know, the colleges are looking for, but you're always as a smaller school. And, you know, I like the underdog, you know, like, I like being the guy who plays with the underdogs and, like, sees them win. Like, obviously, future, you want to be with the big dogs and win. But, you know, when you're starting, you always want to be with the underdogs. You want to, you want to start there and, kind of, you know, grow, grow places. You want to turn places from nothing to something. And I think that's, that's a passion of mine, you know, like from nothing to something is great. And I think going to Gardner-Webb in North Carolina, it was a great life experience because I was away from home. Always been in Texas, never really like moved out of there. It was good to be away from home, get to know people away from where I was from and just embrace like, you know, Boiling Springs, just like a little small town in North Carolina, you know, outside, inside Shelby and Shelby, North Carolina, hour away from Charlotte and just, experiencing that whole east coast and south carolina and georgia and just being able to enjoy the east coast compared to like you know just being in texas is just one place like you go to dallas austin san antonio that's it like maybe you go to louisiana sometimes but you, know, you don't really get to see the country like you do on the east coast and i think it was a great experience for me as a person and then in the football aspect i think for me it was just i was always playing against the best players i was always playing against like top you know the best teams in the country chapel Hill, clemson like playing against the best players. And at the time, college soccer was great. Like, guys went to college and went to the league. Like, that was the... Just going to college was great. I think my I left that school after three years. I went my last year at Incarnate Word. And it was just two different places. Incarnate Word had, like, quality players. Like, guys whose skills were just, you know, another level. Not the athletes that I had at Gardner Web, but the, the skill set was another level. Guys are doing things I hadn't seen in a while. Like, you know, it was great to be somewhere where people just loved being on the ball and they were really good on the ball it was it was great and like being around those guys and they were super competitive they had acted like i did when i was a freshman they were like oh man we're trying to win like we want to be the best because they were a really good d2 school 
and then they turned Division One, and they were trying to show that hey, we could be here too, and like it was just great being in that environment with those guys and great dudes, English guys. We had Mexicans. We had like such a diverse team. It was it was it was amazing. It was great to be in that environment because everybody kind of got together. It wasn't like oh, we're the English guys, you're the Hispanics, or you're the Americans. It was really like tight knit. Like everyone kind of mixed in like pretty well, and we fought like it, but we loved like it too. So it was really cool. It was like close, and you know they didn't care if you played, they didn't care if you didn't play. Like people just you know people just liked you for who you were, you know and that was a great thing. It was refreshing to be around guys who just loved the game and just, you know, didn't really see it. I was like, oh, we're going to go play. Like, they just wanted to play. And after that, I graduated uh, and I left. I left. I graduated in 2014, December 2014. I was like, Randall, we went back to, I went to Europe for the first time. And, and that experience was crazy. Like, I, I think every kid should go live in another country for a full-on year without, like, the high classness. Just go there and live for a year and just do it and experience it. And again, embrace it, embrace that kind of environment, you know, because it's just going to change you and make you better. And you come back to the States and you're just a little more chill, a little more relaxed. Like, you know, everything's a lot more calmer. And I lived in Denmark. Well, I didn't say that, but I lived in Denmark and uh, it was a great experience, man. Like, just playing. I lived in Alborg, which is like at the top. So it's all Alborg at the top. In the middle, it's Aarhus. And then at the bottom is Copenhagen. There's a bunch of little little towns mixed in the middle to the top, and it's it's a great country. Like you know, they take care of their people. And it was a great experience. I, I almost made it to where my accomplishment was, and things didn't work out how it should have. And uh, that's another story for another day. <laughs> and um, so after that, I came back to the states, and uh, yeah, it's been a journey. The states has been great. Uh, when I came back, I think that's when we kind of met. So. Oof. It's been a been a, been a long time, my guy. Yeah, man. We I think you fo- you followed me on Instagram first. I I was I did something with with Mike Chabala, and I think you followed me from from that interaction because you you were you you are you friends with Mike, um, and you followed me that way, and then we just kind of got connected in like 2018, full on. And ever since then, it's been a full go between us. So it's it's really nice. I've never heard that story in full before. So it's really nice to to hear that and get to know you a little bit more. And definitely these people that you know haven't listened to the show before, um, they haven't listened all the way back to episode nine, or even if they have, just to get to know you on that level and to to hear how much you've you've learned from the world, because there's there's quite a quite a difference from learning in a classroom than learning from experience. And and I feel like you have kind of mastered going out there and embracing it, like you said, just going and, and adapting yourself into the culture and, and ingraining choke into Denmark and choke into uh, South Carolina and Georgia and, and all these different places that you've been, Houston, Los Angeles, it's Pullman, Washington, which is – that's Washington State up there? Is that is that the right city? Yeah, yeah, Washington State University. Yeah, yeah. Wazoo. Wazoo. Um, <laughs> all those years of, of really good quarterback play and, and not much else from Wazoo. Um, but you've just gone out there and lived, and it's been it's been really cool to know you. But to hear that story in full was awesome, man. Yeah, man, it's been, it's been super dope. I think, I think when you're – when you look back and you, like – go you know i have conversations with people all the time and 
and I'm not saying that they're not smart or anything like that. It's just you can tell when people haven't embraced new environments, you know? You can tell when people haven't really, like, said, hey, look, like, I'm new here. Like, I don't know anything about it. Let me just let me just be in here. You know, be, be yourself, but be here. Let me not worry about being what's going on back home or anything. Let me just be here. And I think that's very hard for people that come from the States because we think the States is everything. The world's a big place, man. The world is a very big place. There's a lot out there. There's a lot to learn as a young person before you decide, to like, hey, I want to have kids and settle down. Like, you want to learn a lot about yourself before you actually, like, decide to say, hey, look, it's time for me to have like, family and stuff like that. And I think that's where some people, they don't, they, I don't say they struggle. I think they, they, it's hard for them to, like, connect with people because their global mind is, you know, hasn't really, they haven't really had a global experience. You know, you can have people move here from different countries, but, you know, there's a certain culture here in the States that people kind of try to fit into because, you know, obviously it's easier to make friends or whatever, but when you go to other countries, you have to fit in with them. So I think that's one of the biggest things. And I, I mean, I haven't been to every country in the world, but I've been enough places to where I can say, hey, look, like, I've been here, I've been there, and, like, this is my experience with it and how much it's helped me be calmer, you know, it's helped me, like, mentally, like, just be a little more calm, a little more relaxed, like, not be too jittery and scared of, like, you know, things that are going to happen and just jump in, you know, I'm not a big swimmer, but, shoot, if I was using an analogy, jump in the pool, you know, like, and just, you know, kick, just learn how to be around people who are different than you are, so I think that's, like, one of the biggest things. Yeah, no, it's it's fascinating to hear about. I have done my best to to maybe not go all over the world yet. We're not we're not at that point in my life at the moment. But still young, the, still young. The, yeah, the the moment of walking into a press box when I'm 16 and just having no idea what to do or or, or who anyone is, and instead of turning back and and trying to find my way back home, just going in there, it's like, hey ask questions, be curious, meet people, have those interactions with you know, the people that you've, you've watched on TV and, and, you know, be respectful, but don't be afraid. And I'll, I'll never forget that day in Atlanta when I was 16, I did that first game and it helped me out for that second game when I was 17 for the MLS cup playoffs. And then the third game for the Western conference final. And then eventually getting to do MLS cup, a, 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 you know, a few years or that next year, was was I couldn't have done that without that 16 year old me walking into the press box like all right I'm supposed to be here don't know how but I'm supposed to be here and uh just kind of embracing that moment but it's all relative to life and everything you've had a lot of travels and a lot of different cultures that you've ingrained yourself in you know some other people have had situations that have they've really got to know who they are. And I learned a lot about myself during that time. I've learned a lot about myself over the last six years doing this job. And it's been one of my favorite things in the world. And I, I couldn't be more grateful for it. That's great, man. Yeah, everybody, as long as you're embracing what you're doing and you're focused on, because you're still young, like I think young people, they're still looking at the future, but look how much time you've put in in six years. And now like with everything you got going on now, like, if you didn't put those six years in or five years in, you're not getting the stuff you're getting now. Right. You're not, you know, and, like, that's, and you're still young. Like, imagine what you're going to do in the next five years. You know, you're going to be on a whole nother level. You're going to be living, like, a different person because you put in all that time early. So 
I think people, they don't, they're so quick. You know, this is a, this is a fast life nowadays, social media and everything. And, and that's great if people want it fast. But I think when you put in that time, the value you get on the back end is like that much better. You know, like it makes it easier for you when you start getting older. You're not the same person you were when you're 16. You might be excited still and still having fun, but you're a little more, you know, veteran, a little more experienced. That when you jump into those booths, now you're like, hey, I'm Riley. This is this is me. Instead of like, hey guys, like you know, all like, hey guys, like how to, you know, now you're you're stepping in there with a little bit more respect for yourself and respect for what you're doing because you know you put in the time. Like people can people can respect the work you put in. You know, no one can question that you didn't put in the work. You know. Right. And I'm still the, I'm still the youngest guy in the in the press box, so hopefully I can be that older guy, but right now I'm still the the youngest one in there by several years. So I can't wait for the I can't wait for the next me to come through at 17 or 18 and just, you know, help out like like those guys helped me out in Houston and and in Georgia and in Austin. Like I just can't wait for those for those next set of guys. But like I'm looking at my degree on my wall here in my office and it's like there's people are at least in my experience it's five year cycles like i wasn't the same person when i was 16 but like 16 year old riley to 18 year old riley didn't change a whole lot just a little bit of maturity but from the time to 16 to 21 right now it's like that's a lot of of change and and growing and adapting and by the time i'm 26 in 2027 it's going to be a completely different riley like you mentioned all the things that I'm going to have the opportunity to do if I keep working and stay focused. It's just going to be a huge jump and I'm excited for that. But I'm also, you know, that you can be excited, but you also have to still be prepared to, to do the, do the things that got you here. And I think a lot of people lose that. And maybe that's part of the problem in Los Angeles too, because people work so hard to even get to LA. And then once they get there, it's kind of one of those things where they, they lose track of like, you haven't made it yet. You just made it to the place where you can make it. And, um, we see that all the time in, you know, the NFL or, or the NBA, like all these dudes get drafted and they think that's it. It's, no, it's, that's just where you want to be. You have to be able to continue to be where you want to be because the mountaintop is uh, the old cliche of, of it's, it's hard to get to the top, but it's harder to, to stay at the top. You just got to be able to stay there and, and make it your own. But yeah, you know, uh, the, the, all the life stuff aside, I do have a question for you about what, what's going on in, in Paris, more specifically at PSG with, with this Kylian Mbappe deal. You and I talked about it a little bit pre-show. You said it was a power move by Kylian Mbappe. You know, he's roughly my age. He's like 22, 23 years old. Um, for those that aren't in the know, he signed a, a massive deal with, with Paris. Kylian Mbappe, a, a brilliant young French soccer player. $100 million a year after tax, a $300 million signing bonus. He's going to have a say in the coach. He's going to have a say in the sporting director, which is essentially the general manager. And he's going to have a say over signings and, and deals and stuff. Now, what is your overall opinion on the deal, Joke? Um, I think for him, like especially where he's at right now, Messi's not on, on his level right now. Um, Neymar's not on his level. I think he's the world. He's probably one of the. He's he's either one or two. I mean, I don't see anybody like skillfully and just his age and everything. He's probably the best in the world right now. Like overall, like just you know, he's young. He's still has his speed and his skill and everything. He's he's, he's the prime target in the world football game right now. But I think he was he he only stayed because he had everything. He got everything he wanted. 
because a better move was to go to Madrid. Like, you know, better marketing move, better, you know, football, football move was to go to Madrid. But, you know, he's thinking about who he is as a person. Like, I don't think there's ever been a, and again, like he's a young black footballer. This has probably never happened in the history of football where one player of African descent has controlled the game like this before. It's never happened. I don't, I can't remember an African footballer being, not even Thierry Henry, not Didier Drogba, nobody controlling world football like this. And I think that's what this is all about. At the end of the day, it's all about, it's a power move. It's, a, it's not necessarily trying to control everything, but he wants to have his hands and everything as a businessman because he's older now. He's getting older. He's like 23. He's not old, but he's older than when he first started. He started like 16, 17 or something like that. Yeah, so. he's not the 18-year-old kid at Monaco anymore. Yeah, he's a, he's he's in his young prime, so he wants the power to make the decisions and the moves. And let's be real, like he can probably say he's gonna be there for another three years, but once things don't go the way he wants it, he'll he'll make the moves as he wants to. But he's very smart. It's a business move. Football will will be there, you know. At the end of the day, he's he's always gonna play. He's always gonna be, you know, that guy. But it's a business move for sure. And I I think that was smart of him to take the money take the resources and do as he wishes with them because he might know things that all the rest of the world doesn't know about the players and the way we like, you know, they sign players and who should be coming here and all that stuff. So I think it's a big power move and it's crazy because he has like Messi on his team. He has, he has Neymar on his team and he's in control, which is, it's, it's really crazy, but that's the passing of the torch. And that's the times that we're in right now is that, you know, this new generation is stepping in and, you know, kind of, taking the reins and control that they've earned, you know, Mbappe's earned it. And to a certain extent, uh, Erling Holland's earned it, but you know, he's been a little more injured, but I feel like Mbappe has been available. He's scoring almost every game. He's assisting almost every game. He's, I mean, the guys, he's been doing it for three years now, almost four years. And he's only 23. And he was an <laughs> integral part of winning a world cup for France, like the national team. So like, it's yeah. not like he's doing it on this one level because we've seen that with plenty of guys who only perform at the club level with the greatest players around them. Then they go to their national teams, which, given France is, is loaded with with world class talent all world over the class, pitch. Yeah. They like, always have world class talent. I think now they have more structure with the champs, the coach. I think they have more like structure. They never had real good structure. Now they have structure with the talent, and I think that's where. That's where, like, you know, African footballers, you know, they thrive because give them a little bit of structure and, you know, they're all very highly intelligent. The footballers now, and the footballers always have always been super intelligent, but I think with the, like, we've never seen a guy dominate club level and international this much, this young. And, like, since, like, Maradona maybe, you know, or Pele or something like that, we haven't in this new generation last... 15, 20 years. We have never had one player control football from an international level to a club level like this in 20 years. You know, so it's, it's been interesting to see a guy kind of take the reins and almost LeBron-esque what he's doing. He's, he's taking the reins of world football. And LeBron only controlled the league. He didn't control the world game. He's this guy's controlling the world game. We've never seen this before. And I think that's where it's interesting because... It's it's great to see someone, you know, especially being African and, you know, seeing a guy do this because it's never been done before. And I think the future will tell. I think people think, oh, we went for the money, we went for the money. And I think as a as someone who can inflict the game like he can and do what he can on the game, 
he should have a little more power and a little more control, and I think that's where we make a smart decision. I think Real Madrid would always be there, but, you know, right now he's making the decisions for himself, which is absolutely genius. But there is something to say about the flip side of this, though, where PSG has all the money in the world from, you know, these these owners that have come over from from the Arab part of the world, and and they're just flooding money into clubs like Newcastle and Manchester City and, and Paris. And Paris has the means to be able to pay him this type of contract. Um, this is, you know, one of those situations where that has has two sides. You have people that are really for it, that, you know, control for the game and player empowerment and all this kind of stuff. But then you have the prisoners of money comment and you have – the structural integrity and the financial integrity of football is is dying with this deal. What do you say about the other side of this where, you know, it's it's almost, I don't want to say it's unfair, but it's definitely, there feels something a little bit wrong about it of just throwing this much money at this kind of guy uh, and, and really turning the, turning the tide on how much, you can even pay these players and not there's only two clubs in the world i can even think of that has this kind of money to pay a guy like this that's it's the two oil clubs that are big right now paris and manchester city yeah i mean i've I've never been a fan of uh of money being like just completely like thrown into like a game like i've never been cool with it but also i'm not in control of uh (laughs) of uh of the football world, so I can't really, like, you know, I can't really say much. Obviously, money doesn't help, but also, you know, that's just the name of the game, I guess. I can't really, like, if I could control anything, then it'd be a different thing, but I I can't control it. But you look at the game and how those two clubs have so much money. I mean, 10, 15 years ago, they were both garbage. I mean, I wouldn't say garbage. City's always been around, and... PSG's always been this club that players like Ronaldinho came through there, JJ coach, like people have come through there, but they've never been mainstay, like, you know, winning, winning clubs. And I think that, yes, money is like, teams being able to like have that much money and stuff is crazy. But I also think too, is like, there's a lot of teams that's had money like that. Like Chelsea's had it. Um, uh, Barca's had it. Like these teams have had that money. And, you know, they've been dominating for, you know, every time there's a generational dominance, you know, like Barca had their time. Uh, I think I mean, Barca had their time. I don't know. Bayern Munich had a little run during that, like, late 2010s. Like, they had, like, like early 2010s. Had, like, Real Madrid has the three back-to-back-to-back. To back to back. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's always been, like, a dominant. And all these teams that are splashing money now, they're trying to catch up with the teams that have had money for 50 years, you know, so it's not like it's not like, oh, they're doing anything crazy. Yes, I think they're doing a lot, but it's not like they didn't have – other teams weren't doing it before. It's, it's, football's always been a super team thing. That's what, like, the super teams in the NBA, people hate it because they never saw it. So, football's always been doing it. When David Beckham and, you know, all these top players were playing at Real Madrid, like, it was like they were cheating almost because they like, oh, I had, like, Ronaldo, like, Roberto Carlos. They had uh, everybody on that Madrid team and, it was crazy. Like, people thought it was wrong, but football's been doing it forever. They've always had super teams, but it doesn't mean you're always going to win because there's 11 players on the team. Everybody has to go out there and play hard every game because you're going to get everybody's best. And I think, you know, you see with PSG and Man City now in the Champions League, like, you have to go out there and give everybody your best all the time. 
Yeah, money doesn't buy you the champions. Like we've seen that no, because the two teams not, the f- not in football. football yeah, you can't, you can't buy winning like at the highest level. Now you can win your leagues, like because all those teams that have all that money, they've dominated their leagues. Because I just don't think every single game people can compete with that. I think if you put them in like a two game like setup, like the Champions League, like first leg, second leg type deal. Yeah, teams can, can teams can give you a run, like, and I think that's where they struggled. And you know, with all that money comes the mental fitness that you don't have because you're not. There's no way you're going to be able to compete with a team who fighting for the money. Like, I can compare it to kind of like me going to like two different colleges. I went to a school where they didn't really have like the mentality, and then like because you know we kind of played Division One, we were playing the best teams, best players. I was playing against guys on the national team and all that stuff. I didn't take it, I didn't take it for granted, but the guys I played with, they probably didn't understand like. The environment they were in but then you go to this new school that i went to those guys were hungry like and they were hungry like i was when i started when i got there i wasn't that hungry so i could see the hunger that they had and i think over time it's hard to have that hunger when you're comfortable like that so i think that's where the psgs and the man cities like they can struggle in the champions because they just that hunger is it's like oh we're cruising through this and it's like well when you're cruising through things the meaning of it kind of drops a little bit Right, and I think I think Manchester City has a better shot to win the the Champions League in a quicker fashion, just because of the quality of play in the Premier League. It's not like it's it's Paris and a little bit ways down there's Lille and Lyon and, and Marseille. Like the Ma- Manchester City has to go against teams like Chelsea and teams like Liverpool every week, and even to a lesser extent Manchester United now. Um, that are going to give them a fight. Now, whether Manchester United shows up to that fight or not, that's that's you know whatever the case may be. But even like Arsenal and Wolves and Leicester have gotten so much better, or maybe not Arsenal, but Wolves and Leicester and, and, and West Ham and, and clubs like that are competing on that level every single week. Um, maybe not to the Manchester City level, but to the Champions League level and to the Europa League level. There's so much talent and so much competition in the Premier League. As opposed to you go to Ligue 1 and Paris wins the thing by April and it's over. Like, they just don't have that same level of competition. So Manchester City, we saw them in the final last year losing to Chelsea. We saw them in, what has it been, three straight uh, semifinals. Paris has only made the final once in the last, I don't know, 10 years. So I, it comes down to that level of competition, like you mentioned, where Manchester City doesn't have to... Like they, they they don't breeze through these things anymore. They went down to the final day against Liverpool as opposed to Paris where they're just, you know, they're champions by April twenty sixth and it's over. Um but the Champions League is, is definitely the marker for, for a clubs like these and, and the influence of money on the game. And we've seen two teams have a run this year that are classic teams that, that quote unquote do it the right way while also dumping money into the sport. Uh, it's Liverpool and, and Real Madrid. They're playing in Paris tomorrow. I am doing um, some content for the game, but this comes out well after the game's going to be over. So, Choke, on May 27, 2022, who do you think is going to win tomorrow? Um, I think I think uh, Liverpool's going to win. I think this is like this is their like this run. Uh, this run that they're on, I think this is their. I wouldn't say the end because I think the next group of young kids that are there, like Harvey Elliott and uh, Curtis Jones and Luis Diaz, and I think hopefully Minamino. I love him; he's a great player. 
um, they're going to be here for this next cycle. I think Salah and Sadio Mane and all these guys have like maybe one more year left of like this this version of Liverpool. But I think they got to cap this off. This will be the this will be the hooray hurrah, and then one more Premier League title, and then that'll be it. Like for the cycle of players. So they're going. They're going for their second Premier League t- or a second Champions League title, rather, in was it the one in twenty nineteen? So this would be the the second one in four years. Yeah, I think they'll they'll do this. They'll finish this off, and it'll be this will be the the, the top. If they, if they if they were to do it tomorrow, they would complete the double. They won the FA Cup, and they they would theoretically win the Champions League. As far as the Madrid side, um, obviously a fantastic season through La Liga, a down. Atletico and a down Barcelona allowed uh, Real Madrid to win on not a ton of points. Usually it takes a lot of points to win in La Liga. Uh, we've seen the Brazilians on their side come into their own with with just the, the level of talent and the level of structure at Real. Uh, Korean Benzema has had a fantastic Champions League campaign. I'm, I'm picking Real Madrid personally. And okay. I, can, I can say that because this is going to come out after the fact. Um, uh, but I'm picking Real. It just they have so much experience in these moments. Whether it's, it's not so much the players on the pitch anymore, because a lot of those core guys have, have left to go, you know, elsewhere. With most notably their captain for so many years, Sergio Ramos is, is now with Paris, who is sitting at home for this. But uh, they have they've shown they've shown me that in an era of dominance, which they are not technically a part of the big groups of football clubs anymore. They have slithered their way. And I I don't mean that, you know, in in the bad way, but we have vilified Real Madrid for so many years because of who their players were, because of, of how they did, because of of Perez and his leadership style. We vilified Real Madrid. They've slithered their way all to the way, all the way to the final beating some pretty, great teams and teams that we consider to be favorites to win the Champions League. I just think it's almost too magical not to cap it off with a victory. But on the flip side, what you said about Liverpool and this group of players that have had such success, um, you know, not capping off, capping off on their end feels wrong. So it's a great matchup in Paris tomorrow. I'm very excited for it. Yeah, it's, it's going to be good. I almost, got, I almost flew out to Paris for the game because the hype of the uh, – the hype of the, the game was like getting to me, and I was like, "Man, I'm gonna fly out there and just go watch it." <laughs> uh, I did a smart move because I have stuff I need to do. <laughs> but uh, yeah, man, it's a it's gonna be a great game. Man. I, I'm, I love competition. I think that's the one thing that I hope sports never gets away from. Like at the end of the day, like money aside, you know, whatever people feel like, you know, oh, I like this competition should be always come first. So you always want to see the teams that are going to compete against each other the best to play against each other. I think that's what I think sometimes people forget. They want to win so bad, but they really want to compete. Like, you want to play everybody at their max. You don't want to play everybody. You don't want to play anybody who's like, literally like, hey, look, I want to play the best team. No matter how much I want to win, I want to beat the best. And I think that's that's something that's uh, that should never go away. So hopefully we get a good game tomorrow. I don't want to see no blowout. Like, I want to see it like a really good game because that'd be great and that'd be great to watch and as a as a journalist i cannot help but think of the matchup 
where Real Madrid and Liverpool last played in the Champions League final. It was most Salah's injury that was the big talking point of the first half, and Sergio Ramos ended up fouling him. And, you know, the the whole intrigue and drama behind that, for, for most Salah to get a second shot at Real Madrid, fully healthy and great form this year is just, I mean, when when I went to journalism school at Full Sail University, that's just, this is the kind of thing we we had in classrooms. This is the kind of thing we talked about. This is the kind of thing that we prepared ourselves to be able to, to tell the story of. And the fact that we have that tomorrow in Paris is going to be a fantastic, um, just a, a great storyline to, to watch and to be intrigued by. And um, ultimately, uh, I, I think, like I said, Madrid wins, but it's not going to be, it's not going to be a blowout by any means. I think we got a great game for us. And um, if anything, let's let's go 120 minutes. I don't know about penalties. Penalties are, are you know a hot topic all the time about is it the best way to settle a settle a match? But I'd like to go 120 minutes tomorrow in in, in northern northern Paris. Yeah, that'd be great. That'd be great to uh, to have like a you know penalties and that'd be amazing. That's that's what the goal is. So. Hopefully, let's see. Yeah, these are supposedly the two best teams in the world. That's what we've gotten down to this point, and and claiming that they are the the two best and, and and most capable teams in the world. So hopefully we get that level of matchup of the Champions League final. Joke, uh, I certainly appreciate the time you gave me. Just a fantastic show today. I want to end it how we end every show with the lightning round: five to seven random questions, answer in ten seconds or less. Are you ready? Yeah, we'll do it, man. All right. Um, what accomplishment are you most proud of? Oh man, man, <laughs> <laughs> man, oh, we, man! We're coming out here throwing heat, joke. <laughs> you know, honestly, I'm gonna be real with you. And no, I'm not. I'm not. No, no metaphorical. No, no, no. Not to get too deep. Um. I don't have a specific like job, like accomplishment because I've done a lot of cool things. I still feel like I've got like a ways to go to like feel like hey, I've really accomplished. But I think my biggest accomplishment is moving out here and like sticking to my guns and sticking to who I am. You know, moving out to LA like like I've accomplished in that aspect. Like no one can ever say I was a lazy person. I didn't work hard. Like I really put my feet on the ground and like. You know, got to a point where I feel comfortable here a little bit, you know, and I don't have to, I'm not struggling and I'm not like, you know, like, oh my God, like, what am I going to do? Like, that mental aspect of it is huge for people. And I think that's, that's an accomplishment I can say, hey, like, that's something I achieved was just getting out here and getting my feet on the ground and going to work every day and like putting in the work. And, you know, like, that's the stuff I believe in. And sometimes people are like, oh, I worked hard and stuff, but, you know, they have a lot of ways out. They're taking vacations in the middle of work. They're, I never did that. I just put my feet down on the ground and just kept, kept moving. And that's an accomplishment in itself. And sometimes I don't recognize it because I'm just like, oh, I need to do more. And I want to do this or do that. And that's, there's still things I want to do, obviously. But I have to, like, you know, that's the only thing I really give myself a pat on the back through all the nonsense that I, you know, I went around and talked to people about moving out here. And they told me no. I think 25 people told me, 24 people told me no. And one person was like, I think you should go. And you now that one person is all I needed to hear because of the 24 other people, I probably wasn't listening to them anyway. And to come here and have my feet firm and not not think I'm somebody and not get too far ahead of myself, 
I think that's like one of the biggest accomplishments you can have as a person is to go somewhere you've never been to and, you know, be there and work hard and keep your feet on the ground. And I'll keep doing that. So that's probably one of my biggest accomplishments just being here. Going to LA and not getting swallowed by the, by the machine that is Los Angeles, California. Um, no, that's, that's, that's fantastic. And I, I appreciate the insight there. Let's, let's go to the next one. What personal traits has gotten you in the most trouble? These are good questions, man. I think, I think it's my honesty, man. Like I'm, I'm honest and, I think sometimes like the world isn't honest and they don't want the real truth. So sometimes I think that's hard for me because it's like, well, if I lie to you, I don't feel right. So I got to tell you the truth. And I think being honest and like, you know, saying the right thing sometimes is not always the best thing, but you know, you learn as you get older that, you know, being honest is always the right way to go. So I think maybe my honesty. You well-traveled. You've been on a lot of trips. When you get back to home base, what's the first thing you do when you walk into your home? Oh, the first thing I do when I walk into my home? Honestly, most of the time I'm, like, scattering when I'm going back home because I just – I do a lot of stuff building up to when I travel, so I make sure I have all this stuff lined up. So when I leave and I come back, everything's cool. And I I literally go home and, like, say hi to my parents, and then, like, I'll literally go to sleep, honestly. (laughs) (laughs) Honestly, like, I'm at that age now where, where, like, there's not a rush to do things. I shouldn't be rushing to go. The only thing that should ever rush me in life is work or, like, meetings or something. But outside of that, like, I shouldn't be rushing to go do anything. And I think sometimes people forget, like, you need to, like, slow yourself down a little bit. You have a life, you know? Like, you got to, like, chill. Like, stop trying to go so fast. I mean, like, those things are not as important as, like, your, your life, you know, like my work life is important. My like meetings are important. My relationships are important, but everything outside of that is just, you know, slow down. So like I go to sleep, man. I go straight to sleep. What do you, what is your favorite smell joke? Smell? Yeah. Smell. I don't know. I'm a big like strawberry cat. Like I like straw, like that strawberry vanilla smell. Like I like that, like a strawberry vanilla smell. Like I'm into all that. Like, like if I'm in my room, like I'll have like, you know, like a smell in here and it'll be like vanilla strawberry type like you know yeah that's, that's my swag hey when i make it out to la i know what candle to buy you as a as a thank you oh yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> cinnamon cinnamon vanilla strawberry bro that's, that's um what's your favorite time of day like a specific time or like no just like night? morning evening afternoon night like what what, what does choke where does choke thrive I'm a night guy. My friend used to call me a night owl. I can be up. Like, once nighttime hits, it's, like, indoors and stay up. Like, I can be up for forever at night. I like during the day because I get to, like, you know, kind of, like, walk around and all that stuff. But it's, like, nighttime is, like, everything has an essence at night. I love it. I love being up at night. I I knew that answer because you texted me at 444 this morning. (laughs) <laughs> i got that that instagram notification of like because that's what that's 244 your time because you're two hours behind me it's like yeah i don't know what choke i woke up at like 7 30 or 8 and saw that notification like, yeah, i guess i guess choke got a late night last night <laughs> yeah man i love staying up you know i got like my little i got a little one of my players their family you know i went to go see him and he has two sisters and i took my up for coffee so i was like 
and I ended up talking to the parents for like five, six hours. So I came back at like eight or nine and then ended up staying there for like five hours talking to the mom and the dad. So I was like, it was like one o'clock in the morning when I came back. By the time I got back, showered and just kind of chilled, it was like three something, four. I was like, oh, dang. And I saw your message late, like super late. I was like, oh, man, like, why am I not getting these messages? My phone's, I need to get a new phone. Like, my phone's getting kind of old. But I'm lazy. Like, I don't I don't really, like, you know, buy new stuff too much. But, uh, yeah, that's why you got that late message. Man, you know? <laughs> yeah, I was, I was long gone. You're supposed to be up later than me, bro. Oh, no, I'm, I'm in bed by, like, 11.30 now. Uh, well, hey, this is, I mean, it's a weekday. Mm. For, hey, tonight I'll be up super late. Tomorrow night I'll be up super late. Just, you know, not quite not quite on a Thursday night. I'm, I don't go as hardcore as I used to. But, um. That's good. Young still, bro. One last question. We'll get you out of here. I can't thank you enough for the time. Uh, we 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 end it like this every single every single lightning round because it's my favorite question in the world. Uh, if you could have a dinner party with three famous people, living or dead, who would they be? A dinner party with three people, famous or dead? Uh, living or dead, three famous people. Kobe. Kobe would be my first, just because like I used to hate Kobe. And I used to, but the thing about hatred sometimes in sports, is there's not real hate. It's an admiration. I, I had a, an admired Kobe from a distance, and I read so much about him as a young person that, like, by the time he like retired, I I, were, I admired him. I just never liked him as a basketball player because I was a LeBron guy, you know. So that was that was huge. It would be Kobe. Jeez. Yeah, I know this is a hard question. It, it it took me about five minutes to answer on my own Messi, show. Kobe, Messi, and man, it's a lot of. I've met a lot of the people that I've like, actually the last few years. Uh, Kobe, Messi, and probably I gotta get somebody in music. Um, probably. Tupac, okay. just because I would, I would love to talk to him as a person. Like I'm not really a crazy, crazy Tupac fan, but I think as a person, like I think that would it would be a great like to have a like sit down conversation with him. I don't want to dip too too deep into that like the whole other side of conspiracy, but like do you do you think Tupac is alive or no? No, he's definitely not alive, okay. but. I mean, you never know, man. It's anything, anything, anything can happen. But I, I don't think he's alive. Man. Okay, I was just curious. I I don't know much about Tupac and and his whole career and and life and fame and everything. But I know that's a huge thing among the the people who tend to look into these types of things, whether it be factual or or non factual. But no, that's a good list. I I think. You know, obviously Messi and, and Kobe can can chat with one another because they both speak Spanish. <laughs> and then, um, you know, that whole interaction would be really great. But that's, yeah, that's, that's, uh, that would be all time for me, man. Like, I didn't really get – I don't think I got to see Kobe play. I was, like, young and doing my thing. Uh, how, how old were you when Kobe was, um, like – 
I know I was like seven or eight when Kobe was playing the the Celtics and the Magic in the finals. How old were you when he won his last couple championships? I was in high school. I was a senior. Uh, 2010 was my senior year, and then 2009 was my junior year. So, you know, I, I got to I got to watch those uh, championships. You know, my homeboy was a big Kobe guy. I was a big LeBron dude, so I was sick when they won those. He was actually <laughs> he was a Lakers guy. I was so sick when they won that. Those back to back, those two summers, I was miserable. But then I got him back in twelve and thirteen with LeBron. So I was like, I, you know, I was so happy. I was such a big LeBron. I'm, so, I'm still a big LeBron fan. I've worked with them before, so it's like it's cool. But it's, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm a fan of guys who are pushing their limit, and you know, they're they're trying to be the best, man, and not just being the best, but like influencing while they while they're doing that. And I think that's what we all, even if we don't become those people, like I think you should strive for that. I think you should strive to like try to be the best and represent you know whatever generation you're in because I don't think Kobe really thought or maybe LeBron did but Kobe didn't think he would be like the face of a generation of basketball like no you can't really foresee those things you can only like go out there and be the best you can be and then hope you know hope that you're a good player but no one can foresee what those guys have done they'll be the staples of this game MJ Kobe and then LeBron will be the staples of basketball for like of course there's guys that came before him that were amazing and they were um, just as great, and, but with the times and the media and, you know, the expectations and, the, you know, and just being three black men, just, there will be, always be the face of the NBA. Like, no one will ever achieve more than them with what they did as people and as, you know, athletes. Like, I, I don't think in, in basketball it will happen again, but if a kid comes and decides to take that reign and wants to bear the responsibility, I mean, He'll be in there, and he'll be in that conversation. But those guys are top, top, and you know we can all learn something from them. So, yeah, and you you look at some of the young guys now in the league. I mean, John Morant is is phenomenal, and he's already wanting that challenge of of, of being the next guy. And you have Anthony Edwards over in Minnesota, who is the number one overall pick, and who has accepted the responsibility to be a a big time player for the Timberwolves in just his second year in the league. And uh, all those guys in Cleveland that have just been fantastic so far, that, that really young core. And that that's the next generation of players that grew up watching Kobe Bryant. We, we saw, you know, Devin Booker get very emotional talking about how Kobe was an inspiration to him. And he is probably one of the leaders of the next generation of basketball as guys like LeBron are fading out. And we've already seen Dwayne Wade retire. Chris Paul's getting close to the end. I mean, the, this the Carmelo is is getting close to the end. These guys are are fading out and, and making room for the next generation. And yeah, Giannis and Steph and all these guys are running the league, Nikola Jokic. But it's the nineteen year olds and the twenty year olds and the twenty three year olds who are, you know, they grew up in the same age as me. Like they were eight years old, nine years old, watching Kobe Bryant win those championships. They were sixteen when Kobe played his last game. They were. 12 and he was shooting free throws with no Achilles like he was that guy for so many of of these young players as you know Allen Iverson was for guys who were you know 29 and 30 and 31 and Michael Jordan was those guys for like guys like in LeBron's age so it's important to understand the, the the role that they have and it's good to see some of these younger kids you know accept that role and 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 really want to be that next guy so the NBA is in a really good spot for the next 25 years when they celebrate the 100th year anniversary of the league. Yeah, for sure. I hope I hope, uh, I hope these guys continue to take that responsibility, man. There's, there's a lot of change that needs to happen. 
and we'll talk about that on the side, you know, away from away from the, the podcast. And um, I think that's something that 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 really needs to be spoken about, so we don't keep doing the things that we've been doing for the last hundred years. And you know, to, if you want to grow a nation and make people better, you gotta you gotta start somewhere. And I think with everything that's been going on, I think that's something that you know that needs to be talked about. So right. we'll, we'll talk about we'll talk about that on the side. Yeah. <laughs> but uh choke i this has been fantastic man i, I can't appreciate i can't appreciate it enough i can't thank you enough for the time where can people find you on the internet um dang i'm not such a private guy you know um <laughs> uh, if you guys want to find me i'm on instagram chopaholic5 um c-h-o-p-p-a-h-o-l-i-c and the number five uh i'm on instagram i'm on twitter uh I have a YouTube coming up soon, uh, which Riley really, will have a conversation about that off off, off cam. Uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, that's where you can find me. Yeah, and we'll put all of his uh, socials on the show notes, and so you can copy and paste it and throw it into your preferred social media platform. But choke, man, I appreciate the time so much, man. All right, brother, I appreciate you, man. All right, for choke, I'm Riley James. If anyone cares.